John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. If you'll remember, in the previous chapter, um, Jesus had encountered a man born blind. He had been born blind. He had been blind all his life. And Jesus healed him. Jesus healed him by getting some saliva on some of the dirt, turning into mud and putting the mud on the man's eyes and going to have him wash. And he washed and he was able to see. But a lot of the chapter looked at the fallout of that healing because the Pharisees were asking the man about what happened. And they were disputing about whether this one who healed the man, Jesus, uh, what kind of man he was, whether he was a uh, uh, one who was leading the people astray, a sinner, or whether he was not. And in the end, they had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, that he was to be cast out of the synagogue. And that is what happened to this man born blind. As he began to uh, make some common sense observations about the, the blindness of the leaders, that they were not recognizing what was in front of their eyes, uh, they uh, were uh, inflamed and cast him out. But as he was cast out, Jesus came to meet him again and received him. And uh, the man believed in Jesus. But that's very, very important context for chapter 10, which we're about to start reading, because there's really no pause in the text as it goes from chapter 9 to chapter 10. Uh, it just continues to go on. Jesus is speaking. He had just spoken about those who are blind and then could see, and those who said they see but are really blind. And the Pharisees are like, oh, was that us? You really saying that about us? And he's saying, yep, because you say we can see, you are blind. And now he's going on to speak then of, uh, to the same group, this crowd, which includes uh, some of these Pharisees, as he begins to describe the good shepherd, uh, the door of the sheep, as well as those who were strangers, those who were thieves and robbers, those who were false shepherds. So let me go ahead and start reading in verse 1, and I'll read through verse 21. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. 
He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who was oppressed by a demon. Can a demon demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray for God's blessing. Lord God, we thank you for sending your Son and for uh, bringing to light life and immortality, salvation of your grace, uh, salvation of the lost. We pray that you would uh, teach us and instruct us that we might hear the voice of the Good Shepherd and so follow him and be blessed in him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus begins this passage where he is telling a parable, using a figure of speech, and he appeals to the, what was to them, very familiar imagery of sheep and shepherds. It was familiar to them not only because there was a lot of sheep and shepherds in Israel, in that region, in that time, but also because it was one that had already been widely used in the Old Testament, one that had been used by the prophets, as we saw in the earlier reading in Ezekiel 34. In the parable, he describes the sheepfold, he describes the, uh, the door or its gate. Uh, those who do not enter by the door, who are they? Those are the, the thieves and robbers. That's the type of person that would go over the wall, right? That wouldn't go through the door. The thieves usually just walk through the door and say, hey, can I come on in? Can I steal your sheep? No. Uh, the one who does not enter by the door is uh, thieves and robbers. But then there's the person who does enter by the door. That's the shepherd of the sheep. Uh, he belongs there. He goes in there. He calls out his sheep. His sheep know his voice. They come to him, and he leads them out so they can get pasture. They can graze on the grass. It's not the grass in the sheepfold. The grass is out in the pasture. Leads the sheep out, brings the sheep back in. Um, Unlike maybe other forms of shepherding, shepherding at that time and that place did not drive the sheep in front of them with a sheepdog, but uh, would lead them, would go out in front of them, and they would listen to the voice of the shepherd and would follow the shepherd uh, to the place he led them. And so this is describing the reality of sheep and shepherds and sheepfolds and all of that, but it's a parable. It's an illustration, but they didn't understand it right away. Uh, the crowd did not understand the things he was speaking of. And so in verses 7 through 18, we have Jesus uh, describing, interpreting uh, this parable of the sheep and the door and the shepherd. Jesus, it should have been um, uh, evident even before he began to explain it, that there's some contrast between true and false shepherds. 
those who may seem to be shepherds, they're, you know, men that are in the sheepfold, but are not shepherds who've come in the wrong way. And there is the true one. And it's defined by whether they enter the door. And this also makes a lot of sense based on the context. He's just uh, been engaged with those who are rulers of the synagogue, uh, who had authority in Israel, who were misusing their authority, who are hostile to Christ, and who had cast out this, this poor guy, this, this man who had been healed, and who is now cast out of the synagogue, and Jesus had been calling them blind. So already the general theme, you know, might have been able to pick up on what he was talking about. But he makes several very clear statements then in his interpretation as to how he fits into the parable, that he is the door and he is the shepherd. So in verses 7 through 10, we find that he is the door, and the verses after that, that he is the good shepherd. Because he's the door and the good shepherd, you and I should listen to his voice and follow him, and not to false shepherds. But first, let's look at verses 7 through 10. Jesus is the door of the sheep. Jesus is the door, and that's where the sheep go in, and they go out. Why would they go in? Anne, why do you think the sheep would go in? <laughs> the sheep would go in because it's safe there. That way the wolves don't eat them. Why would they go out? I already mentioned that. They go out to eat. They go out to eat the grass. And how do they go in and out? How do they get safe? How do they get fed? They do that through the gate, through the door. If they don't go through there, they don't get safe, they don't get fed, they die. But because of the door, because they go in and out of the door, they live. And Jesus is saying that he is the door. He is the way in which we live. We, he is the way of life. Or as he'll later say, he is the way, the truth, the life. He says, if anyone enters by the door, if anyone enters by the Jesus, they will be saved. We are the sheep. The sheep is referring to people. The sheep is referring to his people. And the sheep that follow into the door, they will be saved. The sheep that don't enter the door, what happens to them? They're left out and they get eaten by the wolves. And so it's important, it's essential for all of us to enter. To enter into the kingdom of God, to enter into the church of God, to enter into salvation itself. And the only way to enter is by Jesus, by faith in Jesus, by coming to Jesus. He says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and come out and find pasture. Jesus will give his people life, those who follow him. He is the way in to security, to the sheepfold. He is the way out to pasture, to life, to strength. Now, those who do not come into the sheepfold through the door are thieves and robbers. Those are teachers that do not preach Christ. Those are shepherds of the church who do not come in by Christ who do not teach Christ, who may even oppose Christ, as these blind guides were doing. 
Why do thieves and robbers come into the sheepfold? They come to destroy, to kill, to steal. That's why false teachers, false shepherds, come into the church. They come to steal, to destroy, to kill. Should we listen, therefore, to false shepherds? Or should we listen to the voice of the good shepherd? Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're not to Jesus being the shepherd yet. We're to Jesus being the door, right? We should listen. Does this person, this teacher, the shepherd, come by the door or not? Does he preach Christ or not? Do we hear the voice of Christ, the message of Christ, the words of Christ in the teaching of this person? Now, he speaks of those who came before me being thieves and robbers. Who's he referring to there? Well, it's not every person who ever was on earth before Jesus came. Certainly, there were true prophets who spoke rightly, John the Baptist. There were uh, others. In fact, there were sheep before him that did not follow these thieves and robbers. Uh, But uh, would refer at, at least to the false shepherds that were already condemned by the prophets. Many false prophets had arisen of old, who are thieves and robbers, uh, who sought to draw away the sheep. He might be thinking more immediately, though, of those leaders that got in here before me and are currently the leaders uh, and who are casting people out for their proclamation of my gospel. Perhaps also speaking of false Christs, false messiahs, those who had set themselves up as the promised one, who had sought to lead the people astray. But the, but the sheep had not followed them. Had some people followed them? Yes, but the sheep had not followed them. The chosen of God, the, the true people of God, uh, they had not followed them. They listened for the voice of the shepherd. We can learn from this. He's really setting himself in a contrast to these false leaders, but we can learn something about what a, what a good pastor should be. Um, We can learn that good pastors will lead the people to Christ, that they will proclaim the voice of Christ. They will lead them in the ways of Christ. Uh, They will not lead people away from the good shepherd. He will lead them through the door. Now, Jesus came that the sheep might have life and have it abundantly. Uh, He is the way of life, the door to life, life in great abundance. Now, this had already been abundantly illustrated by the water of life, the bread of life, the light of life. Uh, How many ways can we get at this gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord? Um, How many analogies do we need uh, that Jesus gives life, and by believing in his name, you may have life, this new life, eternal life from the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus, in talking about life abundantly, he's not talking about a life full of abundance. Sometimes this phrase is used by prosperity gospel preachers that are saying that Jesus came that you might have a life full of abundance, full of money, full of stuff. And that is why Jesus came, so that you can live a life of comfort and and abundance and prosperity. But that's not, that's a misuse of language. He's not saying, I'm going to here give you a life full of abundance, but rather I'm going to give you an abundance of life. It is life that is being given as the gift. Life in great quantity and uh, abundance, he is going to give life abundantly. The question then is not how much abundance is there in our lives, but rather how much life is in our lives. Is it the true life? 
Uh, is it the eternal life? Is it to know God and to have fellowship with him, or rather to be under the condemnation of death and alienation from God? Is it a life that bears fruit and good fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and obedience to God? Or is it a deadness that does not produce those things, that rather turns astray and shrivels up in evil? Life is the gift. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, who was the murderer from the beginning, who led mankind away into death. But he came, Jesus came, to bring life. So, from these first verses, learn to be sure you enter the sheepfold by the door. Be sure you come into the kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ. Enter by Jesus, and you will be saved. Come to Christ and the door will be open to you. The gatekeeper will let you in. Will Jesus turn away anyone who comes to him? No, he will not turn away any. Whoever comes to him will be received by him and will be raised up by him on the last day. If you try climbing over the wall, you will be rejected as a thief and a robber. If you decide, oh, I'll go to church and I'll be among the people of God, but I'm just going to go in through hypocrisy, going through the motions, not believing any of this for myself, then you will not last there. You will not abide there. For you will not be one who entered by the door. And also, do not listen to those who have done that. Do not listen to false shepherds, those who do not lead you through the door, through Christ, but who lead you in their own ways. Those who promise freedom but are actually slaves of corruption. Uh, those who are blind guides who lead astray from Christ and his word that we have in Scripture. You do not need to fear being rejected by leaders who reject Christ. This man born blind in the previous chapter had been excommunicated, been cast out of the synagogue. Did it harm him? No. In fact, it was a blessing to be persecuted for the name of Christ. Christ received him, and that's what counted. So Jesus is the door. Secondly, Jesus is the good shepherd. He came to give life, and of course that naturally then leads to the idea of the shepherd who leads his flock in the ways of life. In verses 11 through 18, Jesus then compares himself to the shepherd. As he begins verse 11, I am the good shepherd. He is the one in that first six verses in the parable. He is the one that calls them by name and they hear his voice and they follow him he calls them by name he doesn't just call all the sheep i want you to come to me but he says i want you and i want you and i want you he knows them by name and he calls them and they answer him when jesus proclaims the gospel he does offer it broadly he says whosoever believes may you know be saved but he also gives an effectual call to all the Father has given him, that they might hear it, that they might respond, that they might be saved. There is not only this broad call that Jesus gives, which perhaps people will respond to, perhaps not. But beyond that, there is this inner call, this effectual call, this powerful call, like a call of Lazarus from the dead that produces life and brings forth that person to Christ. Jesus calls each of his people by name. 
and they will not depart from him. They will listen to the voice and answer because he's their shepherd. So he calls them by name that they may follow him. And then as his sheep, they continue to follow him. He's the one who leads them out. He's the one who brings them back. This is the process of discipleship. The image of the shepherd leading his sheep as they listen to his voice is the perfect image of, of the teacher who teaches his disciples. That they, how are they led? How do they know where to go? By listening to his voice. Now, I'm not talking about if you're really quiet, maybe you'll hear a little whisper of Jesus talking to you. Is that what I'm talking about? No. 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 Talking about listening to his message, listening to his words. Where do we have that recorded? We have that recorded in scripture, right? Now we can say what it means like I'm doing right now, and if I'm doing a good job, if I'm being faithful to the word, that's still Christ's message being uh, packaged and another word being explained. And the preaching of the word is the word of God if it's faithful to the word of God. But it is that word, the message of Christ, his teachings, his instructions, his commandments, that is what we ought to listen to. If you want it audible, then, you know, listen. Come to church and listen to the recording if you need to. Uh, Read your scripture out loud, but listen to the voice. Attend to the preaching of Christ. Christ calls, and then he continues to lead those people throughout their life in ways of security in ways of, of strength and nourishment uh, that he, they will be cared for. He protects his people and he leads them to life. The Old Testament often connects shepherds with kings. Uh, we don't have many shepherds around here and we don't have many kings around here, but these were very familiar illustrations for them. A shepherd would rule the flock and he would use his weapons to protect the flock just as a king would rule his people and use his weapons to defend the people. And a lot of their kings or a lot of their early leaders were shepherds. Moses was a shepherd. And then he was called to shepherd the people of God. David was a shepherd and he beat off the the bears and the lions. And then he beat off Goliath and later became the king of Israel. Jesus is our king. Jesus is our shepherd. He will protect his people and lead them in ways of life. And what is it make, that makes him the good shepherd? Well, part of that is that he lays down his life for the sheep. He is invested in the sheep. He owns the sheep. Uh, they are his sheep. They are not someone else's sheep. They are his, and he is going to protect them to the last. He is willing to lay down his life to defend them from whatever might harm them. Jesus laid down his life for his people by dying for their sins on the cross. Because it was, was it literal wolves that were going after you? What would harm Christ's people? It would be sin. It would be death. It would be Satan. It would be the world. These things come for you, seeking your destruction. The sinful desires in your soul wage war against your soul, seeking to destroy you. What is Satan like? He is like a lion on the prowl seeking to devour you. What is this world like? It is seeking to conform you to its lust and its pride and to mock you for following Christ. But these wolves of sin and death and Satan and the world, they were coming after his sheep, and so he laid down his life 
to protect his sheep and deliver them as a good shepherd would. The hired hand does not risk his life for the sheep. If, if the shepherd hired someone else, someone else to help him with his sheep, and the hired hand, he's just getting paid, why does he want to be a shepherd? Is it because he likes the sheep? No, it's because he wants to get paid. And so if a wolf comes out, is that pay going to be enough to keep him there, to risk his life? No. He's going to see the wolf, and he's going to run. And he's going to forfeit his pay because his life is more important to him. He is not, does not care about the sheep. But is Jesus a hired hand, or is he the shepherd? He is the one who owns the people, if you will. They are his people. They belong to him. They, he knows them, and they know him. He cares about his sheep. He cares about what happens to them. He doesn't merely know that they exist. He knows them, a personal knowledge, a fellowship with them, that if they're hurt, he takes that to heart, and he does something about it. Therefore, he lays down his life for them. Because of his love for his sheep, he lays down his life to save them. Furthermore, the father gave the son this charge to lay down his life and to pick it back up. We'll see later in verses 28 through 29, later in this chapter, that the father gave the sheep to Jesus. He gave the sheep to Jesus that he might call them and bring them to salvation and give them life. And so the father was delighted to see the son go about this mission, to lay down his life and to take it back up. He had this authority to do so. He was not being forced to do so. Jesus willingly laid down his life at the right time when it was right. He was not simply a popular teacher that got taken away by the crowds and overwhelmed by the fortunes of time, but rather he was in control. He came on this mission and he came to lay down his life so that he might deliver the sheep, that he might deliver you, that he might deliver me. And the father loved the son that he did this because he did this. The father was well pleased with this work. He was well pleased with the work of the son. Now, Jesus also had other sheep, other people, other people that he must bring. Who would those be? He was there in Israel. He was there in what was then the church, was the people of God, among whom there were true sheep who had listened to his voice. But there were others who were not yet gathered. There were others who were yet in another fold, in another flock. But he would make one flock out of Jew and Gentile. He would preach to them, and they would follow him too. So there would be one flock and one shepherd. Something prophesied by Ezekiel back in chapters 36 and 7. That there would be one flock, one shepherd. Now when did Jesus preach to the Gentiles? In Ephesians it says that he preached peace to those who are near and peace to those who are far off. Did Jesus ever go to Ephesus? He never went to Ephesus in person, in body, when he was here on earth. But Jesus preaches even today. Jesus' voice continues to, to draw in the lost through the proclamation of the gospel. And so he says that he would have work to do. It's one reason he, of course, he took his life back for various reasons, but it also shows that he continues to be the shepherd. He laid down his life for the sheep, but he also took back his life because he had annihilated death, had overcome sin, and continues to be the Savior today. He would be the sheep 
uh, he would bring in the sheep among the Gentiles. They were not yet called, but they would hear his voice through the proclamation of the gospel. He would draw all peoples to himself. And so today, there is one flock of all the people of God, from Jews and Gentiles. Not two people with two different groups of promises, one to the people of Israel and one to the church, but rather there is, and always has been, one people of God. Those who have been called have been grafted into it and are heirs of all the promises of the old covenant, the promises to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And they have all one shepherd, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So attend to the voice of Jesus. He calls you, he calls his sheep by name, that they would respond and follow him that they would have life. Follow him by acting upon his word. If he gives you a command, obey it. If he gives you a promise, embrace it. He is the shepherd, and so we should listen for his voice, which is found, as we said, in the ministry of the word. Give thanks then also for the love of Christ, that he cared for you. They did, he did not run like a hired hand, but he went steadfastly to the cross, to torture, to agony, to torture of body and soul, of fear and trembling, that he might bear the curse due you for your sin. But he did that to deliver you, that he went to the other end to save you. So respond to his love with love as well. He did not depart. He did not run away. He did not abandon you. So rest in his care. Remain with him. Uh, Do not turn aside from him. He will never cast you out. And then maintain the unity of the flock. He has gathered you all together. He didn't just save you. He brought you into a people. He didn't just save this sheep over here and he visits it every once in a while and then sometimes he goes over to this sheep over there. He brought them together in a flock. What do we call that flock? We call it the church. And it's supposed to be one. And there's supposed to be uh, unity because it's supposed to be following one shepherd. So we should maintain the unity of the flock, the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, not by compromising with false teachers, but by exhorting one another to follow the voice of the shepherd to uh, be disciples of the word that he has given us. We should promote the gathering of the sheep into this flock. There are those who are scattered sheep on the hills who are not in the flock, who need to be brought in to give them the call of the gospel and to welcome them to the fellowship of the saints and the worship of God, to bring them under this shepherd and his care that they might enter by the door. Now, in verses 19 through 21, we'll conclude with this. There was a reaction to the words of Christ. There was a division, in fact, among the Jews. Many of them, probably the majority of them, said he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? They'd already suggested, don't you have a demon? Uh, That was one explanation, right? Right. Jesus was not an ordinary man. 
he made really important, bold claims uh, to be the source of life, to be the Son of God. Either he is the Son of God, and we should listen to him, or maybe he has a demon and is insane. Why should we listen to him? But didn't Jesus just talk about listening to him? Who are the people who listen to him? The sheep? Who are those who don't listen to him? They're not the sheep. And so they did not think that he was worth listening to. But others made a different judgment. These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Does someone who is possessed by a demon speak words like these? Words of, of wisdom and love and mercy, of continuity with God's promises and word? And not only that, but he had healed the blind. Would a demon heal the blind? Do good? Do good to those who suffer? Don't the demons usually make people suffer? The combination here of these words and these deeds, this must be the Christ. We should listen to his voice. Especially after speaking about how the sheep listen to his voice. But the different responses make sense because he had just explained that in this parable. So let's listen to the voice of the shepherd. Let's remember them, not just on Sunday, but tomorrow, the day after that, that we might have life and have it abundantly. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for sending your son and giving him this charge to lay down his life and to take it back up, that we might die with him and be raised to new life our sins being removed, that we might not come into judgment, but rather have life. We pray that you would bring in all the sheep and gather them into the flock, that they might be led by this one shepherd, that we might all learn to observe his commandments and to abide, to remain with him unto the end. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.